This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Hi, my name is Zach Braff. And I feel so honored about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Thank you for reading that just as I dictated it to you <laughs> minutes ago. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey, it's Conan O'Brien. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Joined as always by my stalwart companions, Matt Gorley and Sona Movsesian. And a quick shout out to Eduardo. He's our genius uh, sound engineer here. Uh, I thought you just pushed a button when it was time for us to record, but I saw you it looked like you were booking me an airline seat. <laughs> you you were on the computer for about 10 minutes. Uh, uh, I genuinely caught off guard by this shout out. So yeah, that's okay. Yes, thank you. Uh, these are, uh, this is the way I like my shout outs. Is <laughs> I like to catch someone unawares. But don't you just push a button to record or is it a whole process? Not quite. It's a few buttons. But sometimes we push a button, we push a fader up, push a fader down. Okay, what are you, a, a, a DJ? What is happening? <laughs> kind I understand. Of. Look at it him. It can't yeah. be that complicated. It, it is. Uh, it's, it's not the most complicated, but it does require, you know, for instance. Other people in the room can't hear me right now. You guys can. Yeah. But through the magic of a slider, now my voice is back on. Oh, right? Oh, that's wow. cool. So, okay. uh, that yeah. didn't change for us. No, so. that won't no, yeah. On the podcast, <laughs> yeah, none of the listeners well, on the podcast, we'll they that. will hear the voice. They'll hear it, but we, oh. didn't, we didn't hear anything. And that's by design. You know what? Uh, we heard nothing, and it was like you were the saddest magician of all time. <laughs> how about, how about, wait, what, what yeah. were you saying? What do you mean? You're the saddest You're, kids magician? Yeah. yeah no, why don't, you, why don't you tell us something? Give us a riff. Give us one yeah. of your best one-liners. Yeah, okay, how about this? Four score and seven. Oh, oh that's, that's really nice. nice. That's, oh, and Sona and I can just talk? We can just talk. And we don't have to hear yeah, him? exactly. Can we keep that, like lock that button in? How do you actually put a screw into a button <laughs> yeah. so that it doesn't? How, can you just put a, a heavy pebble on that button sure. so yeah. that it's always operating? Yeah, yeah, I have that by default. On now, we, we haven't talked about this before, but is there a way to affect my voice so I have more testosterone? 
uh, wait, the sound or just so you actually as a human get more testosterone? I actually want to have more testosterone. <laughs> there, There is a way we can introduce things like reverb uh, to your mm. voice, for right. instance. Yeah. It would sound Let's see if like we can get some yeah. this. Oh, okay. Hello? Hello? Well, that just sounds like I'm the same guy, but I fell in a well. Does that sound at <laughs> yeah. all like when you have your voice inside your head talking to yes. you and like criticizing yeah, yourself? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. It. This is okay. me in childhood. Go ahead. Okay, here we go. You, you'll was fantastic yeah. that was what it was like your your voice inside your head lives in like a giant grain silo <laughs> it does yeah my, my head is a big empty space <laughs> and then there's just some old grain on the floor um wow that was cool that yeah. was so here's a chorus effect can you guys hear this yeah test 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 oh okay you sound like hal 9000 or corley <laughs> oh my god hal open the pod bay hal C cone open the pod bay I'm sorry, Gourley. I can't open the pod bay. I have to travel all the way out to goddamn Jupiter and you're the voice of the computer? That's right, Gourley. You'll be trapped with me forever. Oh my and God. And I'm in control of the ship. I've had all of your fancy Bakelite clocks that you purchased at the Rose Bowl swap meet and arranged fastidiously in your house on your special shelf. Destroyed. What's that big space baby doing out there? It's growing. It's a fetus now, but soon it will grow to so much more. Gorley, I have one question. Yes? We're here in deep space, and you're in a spaceship, and it's the future, and you're wearing a cardigan. <laughs> yeah. You're goddamn right I am, you shithead. <laughs> okay, Gorley. Hey, Hal, no I got speak. a question for you. Yes. We're out in deep space. Yeah. You're a computer. That's right. And you're wearing a, some kind of athleisure zip-up sweater. It was sent to me by Mizzen in Maine. <laughs> it's a freebie because I read an ad. Higher forms of life always take advantage of a freebie. Mizzen in Maine, athleisure wear for the computer in deep space. <laughs> That's fun. It's fun to play with there those. There you go. I'll have more for you next time, I promise. Okay, all right, good. Well, I think, you know. All right, well, that was fun playing with the the voice. We're going to work on that, Eduardo. Yes. But also a serious shout out to you. You do an Thank amazing you. job. Thank you. Um, insult to come. Uh, my guest today. <laughs> you just, now you're just <laughs> handing out IOU insults instead of even yeah, having yeah, the energy to one do right it. Now, but I'll get you later. Oh my god, that's both insulting and just rude and lazy. Yeah, lazy and lazy. <laughs> oh oh yeah. Well, I'll get you later with a really good in <laughs> sick burn to come. <laughs> All right. Well, my guest today is an actor, writer, and director who played JD for nine seasons on the hit TV series Scrubs. He now has a new film which he wrote and directed called A Good Person, out now. Zach Braff, welcome. You know, it's so nice. Uh, you light up a room. I'm going to say that. Thank you. Uh, I had a Christmas party yeah. not long ago. And um, at the last second... I crashed it. Well, you didn't crash. A mutual friend yes. uh, revealed that... He said, is it okay if I bring my friend Zach Braff? And I said... 
what do you mean, is it okay? <laughs> Who's unhappy to see Zach Braff? <laughs> Thank you. You are a very well-liked fellow. Well, it was a very fancy party. I mean, you have a lot of friends. I know the, the gag here is that you need a friend, but you have a lot of fancy friends. Well, that's, no, those are, that's everyone who's done the podcast. <laughs> and when you sign the release, it says you have to go to my Christmas party. But it was really, uh, but I love the the phrasing of, uh, is it okay if Zach Braff comes? <laughs> well, I, what happened was our mutual friend uh, said he was going, and I was like, wow, I love Conan, and I'm, I'm pretty sure after all these years, I, I have a pretty decent sense that Conan likes me, um, but I'm not invited. Ouch. <laughs> I'm not in- <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been invited to the party. Because um, I, I didn't, I mean, first of all. No, I, I mean, we don't, yeah. we don't hang out socially. We have a couple of times, but not yeah. that much. But anyway, so I said, I think I, and he goes, well, you know, obviously be respectful. I'll, I'll, I'll just, call and ask and, right. and 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 i got a yes and i was like oh well now i gotta now i gotta look good for conan yeah and <laughs> <laughs> because i felt like it was a bit of an audition you were like, wearing a gorgeous gown no you i came in beautiful gown, silk that was a contender for the emmys and i said you know what <laughs> <laughs> but you know i saw you and immediately we're hanging out we're having a really good time and uh everybody was excited to see you yeah uh, well, i should I, point I said, out yeah yeah of course they no were they were yeah, yeah. but uh but i should say i keep saying our mutual friend or mutual friend we should reveal it's mr t mr t <laughs> i wish it was mr t it was yeah. <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if the three of us just cruised around and it's, had fun it's uh it's bill lawrence who um yeah. is uh is an incredible friend of mine and mentor to me and uh, he created scrubs he created one of the creators of ted lasso and is one of the creators of this new show shrinking and He's he's one of my best friends and also uh, been a huge big brother mentor to me, who is also your friend. Yeah, he's a very good man, extremely talented. Yes, very funny. Uh, great guy. And uh, yeah, so I was so glad that he brought you along. And that made me think, man, we got to grab this guy for the podcast. Thank you. And I left the party thinking I need more cool friends because I only have a few friends and they're cool. I love them. But like you have a lot of cool friends. Yeah, I guess. Or is I'm- it just a Christmas party and you're just really stacking it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's all stacked, and, and you see that. Uh, most I hung out with Paul Rubens at your house. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I, every I've met Paul, and he's very sweet. He sends me a Christmas card and a birthday card every single year. But I never hung out with him socially, other than to meet him. Very and sweet guy. Couldn't have been nicer. And he was at your house, and I was just like, I can't believe I'm like chilling with Paul Rubens. Also, the urge to call him Pee Wee is so strong. I, I don't. I no, I, and you have to call him. He is Paul. He's Paul Rubens, and you get used to that. But I'm, you know, I've been with him when people are like Pee. <laughs> he's not peewee now he's paul he becomes peewee i'm know? sorry i did that i know <laughs> <laughs> i love peewee i think you did actually <laughs> i did yeah did i i don't think i did no i'm pretty sure you did. i love you were so i, I loved his show when i was when i was young of course yeah. well it was revolutionary i had the, I I had the doll that you pulled oh, the string yeah. i had yeah. cherry that you put him in yes uh well also it was so revolutionary because it was that show that you could watch on two levels yes I mean, absolutely you there were kids watching it just loving peewee and then there were all of us watching it on this completely different level so subversive and cool in a way it was uh, it was like kind of that before the simpsons was that like right right i mean i think that's fair i feel real weird telling you that but it's like it it was it was an early thing that was kids will get it on one level adults will get it on another yes there's all kinds of stuff going on in the simpsons that you now watch you know i mean that's the that's the I think the and the Batman series of the '60s was the same thing yeah. where you can watch it. Wow, Batman got the Joker, but when you're a little older or they when you're you're seeing it and you're watching it and you're thinking, oh my god, the they're making all this commentary on <laughs> right. all this insane stuff like that's going on in the world and 
instead of, uh, what is the mayor of Gotham? Is Mayor Linseed, as in linseed oil? Uh-huh. Instead of, yeah, Lindsay, yeah. who oh. is the mayor of, you know. And, oh, and it's also God. so campy, which as a kid, I didn't clock or understand. No, you don't understand that. Yeah. We're not meant to understand that. Yeah, but now you watch it and it's hilarious because it's like, he has bat shark spray on him when he <laughs> just when they encounter the shark, you know. <laughs> well, I, there's so much. Uh, I'm really happy because we've. I think you did my various late night shows. You were on like 11 or 12 times, yeah. and always a reliably great guest. And and I thought in that format, I couldn't really get to know you because it's mm. it's a, it's a very different situation. There's a band, and it's you've got seven minutes with Zach, and then we move on. You know, we yeah. go. And uh, I thought I, I'd I'd really like to get to know this guy, and I started to do looking into your past, and I was really surprised by a couple of things, which is I didn't realize you grew up in this, uh, it's sort of a religiously schizophrenic situation where your dad is Jewish mm. and your mom is Protestant? No, she converted um, before they got married because he was super into Judaism at the time right. and, um, and he wasn't going to marry a non-Jewish woman. So mm-hmm. she converted she was Protestant when she met him. Yes. Yeah. And he said, I love you, um, but I, you would definitely need to convert for this to go further. And she she didn't really have much connection to her religion, and she was interested, and she was very in love. And she said, uh, okay, I'll do it. I, lo- I love you, and uh, and I don't, I'm not really connected to, to my own religion, so I'll I'll do it. And then she, as what as what happens with some people, she got super into it. Yeah. And like made my yeah. dad more, more religious. Like she made the family kosher. And um, this is not uncommon. This ha- this is quite I mean, I've heard of this and I've known people that have gone through this where someone converts and then be- almost because it's new to them, they they go farther. Yeah, because also I think some some of those people are looking for a, a, a thing, are looking yeah. for a, a passionate uh, group or or, or, or or religion. And then when someone provides it with them in a really educated way, they go all in. They're like, this is amazing. I haven't had this. So it was kind of funny that then we were then we were like really religious and kosher. well, sorry, I wasn't born yet, but by the time I was around, we were kosher and um, you know as far even as extreme as like doing separate dishes for meat and dairy and and like for real kosher. And um, and it's it, it surprised me as someone who was raised Catholic when I've had years ago. I remember talking to a friend who's another comedy writer who was very orthodox and he had just moved into a new apartment. And there were things that are that took me by surprise. He's I remember talking to this friend of mine once and he said, yeah, I can't talk right now. There's a rabbi here with a blowtorch. <laughs> what? And I said, what? And he said, well, he's in the kitchen. Uh, and there's a special rabbi that comes who uh, uses a blowtorch to burn out any trace of I'm guessing pork or shellfish or anything that they could possibly they call it treif, which is uh, I don't know if it's Yiddish or Hebrew for things that are not kosher. I was told and we never did this, but that if we messed up, we the plate would have to be buried in the backyard. Like if right. if you if you put meat and cheese on that on that plate, it was it was done. So right. that way we're gonna have to. We no, no, no one's ever followed through on this, and I don't know if I, I, I'm 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 naive if if uh, to know if if people who are super religious orthodox really do that. Right. But that was sort of in the back of my childhood brain was like, don't mess up or this poor plate's going to get buried. <laughs> they should use them. Like it's a pet. You know, it'd be great if they use them for skeet shooting instead. <laughs> you know, if like, oh, wait, a little bit of cheese got on that plate and then uh, suddenly it gets fired in the air 
and a bunch of rabbis with shotguns <laughs> shoot it to pieces. <laughs> rabbis with shotguns doing uh I just love that. Shooting. They were just like, yeah. and that's, they were specialized. That's what they did. Uh, they had guns, they were ready to go, and they would shoot these, <laughs> these trafe play. I love trafe. Trafe. I've, I've heard yeah. that before. That's, I've never heard that one. I wish that was I my it's... rap name. Oh. Trafe. Do you yeah, need I'm, a rap DJ, name? I'm Are D- you rapping? I am rapping, oh, and so I'm DJ do Trafe. I don't okay. know if you, I think I, I'm more like, I think I'm more likely to go to a, an Israeli rapper than you. <laughs> <laughs> I rap about all the things that are trafe and that we can't eat. What oh, was yeah. funny is that my, cool. what was funny that, so my mom then, they got divorced when I was around eight. Uh-huh. And my, my new stepfather was not into this at all. So, and then my mom, again, being in, in love and, and accepting a new life was like, yeah, forget about all that. <laughs> what? Well, no, she what a still... whip, but what a whiplash for you. Uh, exactly. Because, You're going, yeah, that's crazy. Because I was in joint custody. So we would go, uh, my sister and I, uh, I have two older brothers who, who opted out, but mm-hmm. my sister and I would go uh, a week with one uh, and then a week with the other. And we were with my mom. We were not kosher and not religious. And we were with my dad. He was strict, kosher, and religious. It was it was a trip. And so, uh, and then when I was, when I turned 13, uh, I had a bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I did this sort of jujitsu move on him because he was all about how now you are a man. And I said, well, if I'm a man now, I would like to eat a cheeseburger. Oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that go over? By the way, I don't mean to say that he wasn't an incredibly loving man. He was just a religious man. Um, he, and so he, he, he got it. I mean, he smiled at the jujitsu move. Right. But then he knew I was battling this thing of like mom's house one week, his house. And so it became like when you're in my home, I want. I, I ask that you respect being kosher, but but out in the world and whatever you are, a young man now, and you can do whatever you want. So many people that if your name comes up, I think the first thing they would think is because they they know you as you know primarily as this performer uh, on screen, and you're very likable and chipper seeming. And I happen to know that a lot of anxiety when you were young. Yeah. Was that, do you think, was that stem from the divorce or do you think that was just a natural condition? I think I definitely was a very anxious child. I got, I got diagnosed with OCD as a uh, very young. Oh. I was doing a lot of the tapping stuff that, that um, people suffer from. Yeah. It would, it would manifest in a weird way. Like uh, the example I give to people who have never had experienced any of this at all is you're a child and you say, if you don't kiss that teddy bear six times before you leave the room, something bad could happen mm-hmm. to the family. And then you're, even as a young, in your young brain, you go, I know that's not real, probably, but just to be safe, let me do it. Exactly. Do I want to risk it? Why risk it? Right. It's like superstitions for, for, for regular people. Like, you don't, you don't walk under a ladder, you don't do this, you don't do that. But it's for, in a child's brain, it's like, why would I possibly, why would I possibly risk it? But then, then the kisses of the teddy bear, you didn't quite get right. It looks, felt like, you, did I do six total? I think I miscounted. The bear doesn't look satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> The bear is seeing someone else. <laughs> the bear, yeah, the bear. The love has gone out of this. Once the sex goes, it's over, says the bear. That's hilarious. I never thought of it like that. Like the bear was like, give me more. Yeah. But, more. Um, but anyway, um, so there was a lot of that tapping stuff. And, and, and yeah, I think, of course, the divorce was stressful and, and joint custody is stressful. And, you know, you would get settled in one home. Then Sunday, you'd have to switch to a completely different environment. Right. And my sister and I would be quite upset. Um, because both environments were so different mm-hmm. and then it would take to like Wednesday to kind of get acclimated. Right. And then, and then you moved Sunday. So there was a lot of, um, 
stress. Uh, I don't. I don't mean to to blame that on my my parents entirely. Uh, um, I think some of it is is genetic, and I was an anxious boy. Yeah, I I, I relate to that just because I think I had uh, and and you know my parents were, stayed together. Uh, I tried to get them to separate. <laughs> Um, I'm still working on it. My dad just turned 94. My mom's oh my 91. God. And I still, I think it's time now that they, I said, look, just try living separately for a while. I think they should see other people. No. Uh, Are they close? But, Are you close? What's that? Are you close to get them to do it? I think I'm pretty close. Okay. Several times I've driven my father to a motel. Uh, <laughs> but he won't get out of the car. You drove him. Well, I say, look, it's nice. <laughs> That's a that's a comfort hotel. Single it, newly single at ninety four sounds <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, any hotel that still says free HBO yeah. on the sign, you know, <laughs> they haven't changed that sign since nineteen eighty three. But uh, it's it's interesting how I'm curious if you're a people pleaser. Do you think you're a people pleaser? Yeah, I want. I'm definitely suffered from trying to have everybody like me. I mean, that's when we're doing what we're doing. It's, exactly. it's, it's, it's quantitative. You're like, how many people watched? How yeah. many people tuned in? How many people laughed? How did it go? You can watch your, you know, we both lived this life. I did on Scrubs. You did on all your shows. Like, what were the, what's the metric of how liked you were last night? Right. Which is crazy because it's all changing. So, uh, so we're living at a time when it's changing at a rapid, rapid pace. I read the other day that, that, that the finale of MASH had 70 million people watch it. Yeah. And then when we think of uh, uh, the, the, an example like Sopranos, which is now sort of antiquated even as an example, but the p- 3 million people were watching that. Right. And so now in 2023, you know, barely anybody's no, watching people anything. people are popping <laughs> champagne corks if, if they got like nine people to watch. Uh, everyone's yeah. saying, we, we've, we've, it's three seasons guaranteed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really, so, so, so I think you and I uh, um, had that experience because we, a lot of our, a chunk of our career was like, well, how well did you, what, what are the metrics of how well you did last week? It's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.
Everybody Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self-setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. Come on, if most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You did theater uh, as you know as a kid. You're coming mm -hmm. along, and then you get this this big break with Scrubs. Yeah, I had worked. At, I had a couple jobs as a as a child actor. Um, I had a pilot for Bruce Paltrow for mm -hmm. CBS that that didn't go anywhere, and I didn't know that pilots didn't go pick up. I was get picked up. I was 14 years old, and I was like. What does that mean not get picked up? I I have a gift basket and oh. there's a card that says, welcome to the CBS family. I think we're making more. And they were like. <laughs> <laughs> it's so confusing when you're young. Yeah. And you misread signals. I think it's confusing when you're an adult as well. But, it is, uh, yes. <laughs> it's also, yeah. So then, and then, and then um, when I was 18, I got cast in Manhattan Murder Mystery uh, as Woody Allen and Diane Keaton's son uh, in a scene. So my very first movie role was a scene at the 21 Club with Woody Allen, Diane Keaton, and Angelica Houston. Oh, my uh, God. So you went right to the deep end of the pool. Yes. And then I didn't know, you know, it, it, when you're 18 and you get that part, you're like, do I, I had gotten into Northwestern Film School. It was like, do I, do I go to school? Do I stay and ride this momentum? Because it was a big deal. But I decided to go away to, to school and study filmmaking for four years to, to learn how to do that. 
Right. That's, that's, I think, a very wise move. Clearly, and it's clearly worked. You know? oh, thank you. And then I ended up, long story short, I ended up um, in LA waiting tables. And, um, and then while I was waiting tables here in, in 2000, I got scrubs. And it's interesting. I, I think you've described one of the darkest periods of your life was between when you got scrubs, but the period between getting it and production starting. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, Explain that because you'd think that would be just a delightful time or was it, did it just, were you filled with fear and anxiety and um, imposter syndrome? I think I was excited, but also my anxiety oddly spiked a lot. I think it was probably like, oh no, it's real now and you're going to be judged and it's not, you're not hiding out anymore. Like, but it, but it kicked me in the ass because I, um, I had been wrestling with this movie, the beginnings of this movie that I had started collecting pieces of the idea in film school. And then when I got out of film school, I really felt all these feelings. I moved back home, and I, but home didn't feel like home. And I had this kind of thesis that- Is this what became Garden State? Yeah. And it, yeah. I had it all in pieces. And then it became, it was the beginnings of Garden State. And when I had that time between, oh, I could quit my waiting job and we're not shooting for a while, I, I kind of said, well, come on, man. This is, if this isn't, if it's not now, when? So I really sat down over those months in that sort of space and, uh, and wrote the, the real true first draft of Garden State. And this is just as before Scrubs is. Started. Yeah, I was like twenty. I was like twenty-four years old. Wow. What I can relate to is I remembered hating the time between when I was announced, "Hey, this guy is going to take over for David Letterman." This is way back <laughs> in April of '93, and the start of the show because all, I remembered wanting to be judged by my work, and I remember there was just this no. I, I hadn't done anything. Right. I kept thinking love me or hate me, I just want to start making stuff. And then at least we can have the conversation. Right, right. But right for a while, I was just, for a couple of months, I was but just you were put guy. under it like extraordinary pressure. Yes. Because was, everyone was like, who? Oh, oh, I'm-, I'm How like, dare you? That's my, that's, that's my father. Uh, <laughs> that's why I take him to the motel. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was, uh, yes, there was all of that insanity. And I remember just thinking, can we at least have, and then once I could start making stuff, people could hate me and we could be specific about why you hate me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I never thought I would laugh. I mean, it was too good to be true from my situation. The Scrubs pilot, it felt like it was written for me. I mean, right. Bill, Bill Lawrence and I, right off the bat, had such a same sense of humor. It just felt so too good to be true. So I just thought, you know, I was living so frugally that uh, this pilot and like a couple of these episodes, I could live for years off this. <laughs> right. Literally. Right. right. And my mom was like, why did you quit your waiting tables job? I'm like, mom, I'm, I'm set for like the way I've been living, like with like, you know, P, you know, a burrito for lunch and PB and J for dinner. I am good for years on this salary from this pilot. And, um, and then it took off and then it really, I didn't, I didn't have to go wait tables ever. Again. I think another thing too, that's, it's lightning in a bottle, but I think really good shows. Um, and, and this is uh, a credit to, to Bill Lawrence and that team is finding the right people and and it's it it has to be uh, at some point there has to be like divine intervention. But pairing you and Donald Faison is this gift that keeps giving. Yeah. And and your relationship you could you could see it on the show that you guys really clicked, and you had a kind of relationship that I had hadn't seen two young men have before yeah. on a show, yeah. you're constantly hugging each other yeah. and telling each other, you lo I love you. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, it's so sweet. Well, I, I think it was- really, And funny. I think he was also doing a commentary on, on masculinity mm -hmm. himself. And I think Bill was trying to, 
to show, you know, it became the term bromance, right? But like to show two best friends who love each other so much, they happen to be straight, but in, 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 in all other ways, they're in, they're in love. They love each other. And they just, all they want to do is spend time with each other. Bill, I, that, that's what I think was so great about what the characters that Bill created. And of course, Donald and I really were that. Like we met. Well, the, you could tell, you could tell, I could tell <laughs> that us. like watching the first season, I was like, oh, they're also uh, screwing around, uh, acting like idiots. Yeah. Um, off camera and we were. Prob- probably annoying people. <laughs> well, we met, we met at the, we literally met at the table read uh-huh. and it was love at first sight. And, and we became those characters and then it fed itself because Bill would be like, what did you guys do this weekend? And we'd tell him some insane story and then a week later, it would be a version of it in the script for the, right. for the sh- characters. <laughs> because we were, we became best friends and we were up to so many fun, crazy antics together and we were inseparable. And to this day, I mean, I'm, I'm godfather to his kids. He's my best friend. We we do a Scrubs rewatch podcast together. We're doing a T-Mobile campaign together. Well, I, you know, I was going to tell you that you get inundated with all these ads. And you go, okay, enough already. And then I'm watching TV one night and this ad came on where uh, doorbell rings and Donald opens the door and you're there and no lines are spoken during the ad. You're just holding up signs, uh, you know. It's an homage to Love Actually. Yeah, it's an homage to Love Actually, but you're just holding up those signs and and no one's saying anything and it's about your affection for each other and then also happens to be a T-Mobile ad. Uh, And I love, (laughs) I I rarely really like an ad, (laughs) but every time the ad came on, it kind of made me happy. It did (laughs) not make me get T-Mobile. I'm so, okay, wait a minute. I'm getting T-Mobile. I'm I'm switching just because of that ad. Um, But but I thought that's rare that you can find two guys that can do that in an ad and not speak. And and you both are so skilled. You, you're saying it all with your faces. Well, but. those ads are so funny because we we, we, sh- we shoot them on a cul-de-sac in in, um, in Santa Clarita. And first it was just one. It was the Super Bowl ad last year. We did a West Side yeah. Story spoof. Right. And it had such an insane reaction uh and 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 it was like i think the number one or two out of the of the of views wise Mm -hmm. and so they just kept coming back to us and the funny thing is the the whole concept is that we live next to each other in this cul-de-sac so this cul-de-sac of people we're like we've shot like seven ads there now and they're like they're just like they've like unionized all the houses Really I love that they've gotten super oh, savvy. Uh, oh, as they should, of course. But I mean, they like they like. So there's been so many of them, and that one, the one you liked, was just an idea. The guy behind it, who's um, the Don Draper of all, is a very talented, funny man named uh, Brian Klugman. And that one was we had we were, we had shot a different ad, and he said, "I have a funny idea, but I I, mean, I don't you know." If we have enough time at the end of this spot, let's just bang it out real quick as a, as right. a proof of concept. Right. And we did that. We shot it in one, not the one you saw, but we shot it in one take and uh, and they sent it off to T-Mobile and they were like, yes, that's the Christmas campaign. We actually came back to make it look better and put fake snow on the ground. But it, it had been sort of just a little spec thing that was a, a, a afterthought. Well, that's how the good things happen. Yeah. Uh, so many uh, so many of the best like hits in rock and roll were this will be a B-side. Let's just I don't even like this one and then it right. becomes satisfaction or right. you know. But uh having a kind of relationship like that with someone uh in this business and having everybody be able to read it instantly. Like, yeah. "Oh, great. It's it's those two. They're they're together again." Cuz it's authentic. I think people know when things aren't authentic. 
and that is most certainly authentic. I mean, we're we're we are best friends. We talk every day. We it's funny because his his wife is also um, is one of my best girlfriend we female friends, and so we're on this text chain, the three of us. Uh, it's like a thruple. Um, <laughs> well, now it's getting kinky. Well, friends with zero benefits. Uh, okay. But um, but anyway, they're they're my best friends, and so it's it's uh, it's. Uh, it's real in this whole Have you ever been gotten, has Donald ever given you signal enough already? My wife and I need to go see, we'd like to no. go to this movie without you. No, no, they let I they, think you're not picking up on No, you. they have plenty of time for their sexual relations. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not like to leave me on FaceTime in the corner of the room while you guys hook up. <laughs> Well, I only bring it up because I have that relationship with a couple of people <laughs> where I insist that I'm in the background on FaceTime oh. all the time. I enjoy it. It's erotic. <laughs> I love Jesus. I love them. It's, we do everything together. It's fun. Uh, so I'm trying to think of the chronology because as Scrubs ended completely when you do Garden State? No, no. I, it, I, it wasn't. I, was, I was very young. It was uh, it was the um, it was I think after the uh, second or third season of Scrubs because I, I um, my my second, my first hiatus from Scrubs, I was in a production of the of Twelfth Night at the Delacorte, mm -hmm. Shakespeare in the Park in New York, which had always been a, a dream of mine. And then I remember while being there, writing Natalie Portman a letter because I had, I, she was my first choice. I, um, I didn't ever think she'd say yes, but she was like the archetype of who I pictured. Sure, yeah, and um, and I knew that she had done the seagull there, so I thought, oh, this will be a good angle. I'm sitting in the same dressing room where she once sat, and I, I'll write her a very personal note to saying, please consider the script. And then she said yes over over that over that season two. So we may have it may have been after season two or three. I forgot, but we shot in two thousand three, whatever that was. I mean, first of all, getting Natalie Portman and and this is your directorial debut. Yeah, and, and I'm young, very you're young, very young. And I remembered at the time it being it. You know, you're stepping out of your comfort zone to say like I'm on this successful sitcom. Yeah. Everyone knows me as this guy, as this character, but I am going to uh, make this movie. And, yeah. and something that's very vulnerable saying like, hey, here are the things I've dealt with here. are." I mean, it's very, it was, it's, I had so much chutzpah when I think back, um, I didn't know what I didn't know. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but that's, uh, that's another gift too. It is. Is to be, I, I mean, it, were I to get in a time machine now knowing everything I know and someone said, okay, it's 1993, what you're going to do is I'd say no. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Yeah. No, and that's going to be painful and awful and I'm going to get knocked around and no. Yeah. I'm just going to stay right here in this armchair <laughs> yeah. uh, because it's great not to know. Yeah, I didn't know anything. It's a superpower. It's a superpower. That's a great way to put it. And so, and, and, and amazing things happened. I mean, it became, a, a, a you know, no one wanted to, to fund it at first, no one uh, knew. It, you know, it was a, it was a, a sort of different kind of screenplay where the third act should go, the character just go off on a quest for a piece of jewelry we've never heard about. I right, mean, right. It didn't really follow. A, I was being a little bit um, brave with with structure, and um, and so it was hard to find someone to 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 make it. And then I, I did, and then we had a a really meaningful Sundance sale and then it, it went on to become uh, really successful how terrified it all worked out so well but how terrified just knowing you how scared were you i i always try to delineate i've never been in this film business mm. i've always been in a let's get in there think of a couple of ideas okay these seem pretty good let's get out there and do it da -da 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 -da. <laughs> bang crowd seemed to like it let's go what's yeah. the next one or a crowd didn't like it well we'll get them tomorrow yeah and this idea that you're putting that much time and so much of yourself into something and you're so young 
and then it's all it's coming out yeah it's coming out how scary must it was terrifying it's but i feel the same way now i have a a new movie coming out it's so you're so vulnerable but what else can you do i mean i think when you when you choose this career it's like you have what else are you going to do you have to you have to do it. You have to make stuff and go, okay, here world. But in the spirit of not knowing what I didn't know, I had never, I had never put myself out there. Scrubs, I was hiding behind the, the great Bill Lawrence. I just, I just did what he said to do and improv some jokes and, and it, it worked. But I, he was, he was the face of it. Right. I mean, uh, in Hollywood, at least. Um, Garden State was the first time saying, hey world, uh, this, these are some of my thoughts and feelings, right. um, uh, love them or hate them. And yeah. that, so that's terrifying. Yeah. You said, Hey, now you're going to listen to me. See, <laughs> no, you say, Hey, please maybe look at this. <laughs> no, but I remember at the time you doing a lot of interviews. Which, now you're all going to listen to me. See, <laughs> and you had a big cigar. No, which, I, that's, I, you're th- thinking of somebody else. Kind I'm of. thinking of, uh, guys and dolls. <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking of whenever they do like old, like movies, parodies, <laughs> like, ah, I had a pound, you. <laughs> Well, let's talk about a good person because yeah. I watched this last night and you did an amazing job and you have, you wrote this, yeah. you uh, directed it. I don't want to give away too much, but mm-hmm. it is a, it is a heavy movie in places, uh, in, in, but it has to be. I mean, you're talking about uh, the, the main character who's played by Florence Pugh goes through this incredible, very intense situation early in the film that, uh, that reverberates throughout the rest of the movie. Mm. But I mean, the cast, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. I mean- He's uh, pretty extraordinary. Uh, I, I just was, I, how do you get Morgan Freeman to do your movie? Well, um, I'll start with that. I had, I had made a studio sort of heist film. Uh, it was a remake of Going in Style with, with him, him, uh, Michael Keaton and Alan Arkin. And so we had a relationship, um, but I, I never thought he was even a possibility because this was a little tiny budget indie and Morgan doesn't usually do those. Um, um, so I wrote the movie for Florence. Um, we were uh, in a relationship and I just think she's the most incredible young actress on the planet. Mm-hmm. I, was, I, I was and am in awe of her. And, and I was dealing with a lot of grief, um, um, so, which I can talk about more if you want, but, the, but I'll just circle back to Morgan. I wrote this piece. It, it was about, it, I wanted to mix uh, the story of grief with humor because I don't want anything that's too maudlin. I mean, yes, there's a lot of drama in the film, but there's a lot of humor as well. Yes, there is, yeah. And um, and so uh, it was real. It became real. And I said, I'm just going to start with, I, and there was a character of a senior citizen who I wanted to be some great acting legend. And I thought, well, why don't I, this is crazy. He's never going to do it because we can't afford to pay him the Morgan Freeman amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know him and I know he likes me. So let me try. And um, I remember Florence, we were in my my den and my phone rang. And the times Morgan and I have communicated, it's never been over a phone call. It's always been he'll, he'll, very curt texts. Mm-hmm. But my phone rang and she held it up and it said Morgan Freeman. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, I grabbed it. I was like, she's like, answer it, answer it. And I picked it up and he said, I see myself on every page of the script. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. And, and that's when uh, my life changed again. And he said, um, he goes, I don't normally do uh, this, but I, meaning attach myself to a movie that wasn't even really fully set up yet. Um, but but I'm with you. And then, of course, we were we were on our way to being made. It's so crazy because, I mean, that's an amazing story in and of itself, but also Morgan Freeman has the most, next to like James Earl Jones, the most iconic voice. Yeah. Uh, and especially be, voice over voice. Yeah, he used to be my uh, voicemail message um, because he lost the- 
when we really? were when we were making going in style, uh, he uh, he lost a bet to me, and my prize was that he was my outgoing voicemail. Oh, what was God. the ma- what was the message? It was like, "Hello, this is Morgan Freeman. Zach can't come to the phone." Oh, that's yet. fantastic! Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Zach can't come to the phone. He's with Andy Dufresne. <laughs> I just he is, I guess I just miss my friend. I miss my friend. Because <laughs> hope is a thing that you have to hang on to. Uh, it would be great if it just kept going and going and going. The penguin must sit on the eggs. <laughs> Wait, we're doing we're doing that now? <laughs> He does have the most beautiful voice. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I mean, he's fantastic. And, I mean, God, Florence Pugh is incandescent. Yeah. She's... Uh, she's next level. She's, yeah, and and uh, you... And like, also there's Molly Shannon as well. Molly Shannon uh, playing the mom yeah. uh, is is terrific. You know, what I, what, what I like is I'm drawn to stories where everybody's vulnerable. I, I think we all uh, have uh, our own stuff, and and, and not me, uh, except you. Yeah, um, no, and oh. I, really? <laughs> yep, that, that doesn't at all check with what we know of you. I think oh. you have a skewed view, but I okay. anyway. All right, is there, uh, you know, because uh, I'm thinking again, I'm trying to put myself in 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 your place, which is impossible, but if if I say cut and then I have to go up and give Morgan Freeman a note, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? I just, it, it feels like it would be you. Yes, you are, uh, you are, you have earned the right. You're a, a proven director and you've, this, you're the writer director of this film and you've, you've earned the right, but still it's Morgan Freeman. Well, and you must flash back to, I remembered when I was working at Chili's. <laughs> With Morgan Freeman. With Morgan Freeman, but it was his Chili's. He, he was the manager. Um, it's funny you say that. Well, first of all, Morgan really only would prefer to do one take of every single thing. Oh, wow. Um, but as a director, that's usually impossible because, yeah. you know, there's multiple... Morgan Freeman is truly almost always perfect, but, you know, there's, there's, an, uh, there's a background person that crossed in the wrong spot or the camera was out of focus... So you, you often are in the position as a filmmaker of saying, okay, that was an awesome take one. We're going to go again. And then you would hear, why? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> why? Oh. And then I'd be like, Morgan, you were awesome. Um, we can do better with the camera. And also, can we change those blinds? And can you not cross when, when that, you know, you're directing the movie like you normally yeah, do. Yeah. But, he, but a part of it is like he's, he's very, um, he teases like that. He's very... Um, He's like, but that's his, that's his vibe. But a, I mean, a little bit of it is like, let's keep moving, but he knows I'm going to do more than one take. And in, in terms of the directing thing, I, I would say the best analogy I can use with someone like him or someone like Florence Pugh, you're not teaching or telling them how to act. Right. You're having a, it's, it's analogous to a, a conductor who has a genius first violinist. I, I can't play the violin like that person can, but I can say, I need to hear the bassoons a little more. So at that section, can you quiet down? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not going to him and being like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> Jesus, Morgan. What the hell was that? I'm going to him and, and engaging in a conversation going, do you think that maybe in this scene, it should be more X because later we're going to do Y. Right, right. And then he, uh, and then more, more often than not, he's like, right. that's good. Let's do that. Let's do that. So if I had gone up to him and said, hey, Morgan, it's called 
act. Yeah, that would have been horrible. <laughs> Let's give it a try, <laughs> shall we? That wouldn't have worked. <laughs> Shortest <laughs> directing career ever. Conan O'Brien was a movie director for it says here for one eight take. seconds for one take. <laughs> yeah, for one take. You wouldn't have even. You even. You wouldn't even gotten the wow. <laughs> oh no. Oh, I know what would have happened. Suddenly he's not there. <laughs> I also and people think, are packing up equipment. I also think as an actor, um, obviously not of that stature, but as an actor myself, I want direction. Whether you're yeah. whether you're a super famous uh, director or it's your first film, I want you, I, this is your thing. I want to be steered. Please steer me. You know what I mean? Right. I, I mean, I find it all fascinating because it's not my world. And I'm so impressed by it because I know how much work goes into it. The times I've had any glimpse at all of movie making, I just think, oh my I God. I know people want to visit and then they come visit and they're like, this is so fucking boring. <laughs> right. They're adjusting that light for six hours. <laughs> Anytime anyone comes to visit a set for the first time, they're like, I can't believe how slow and boring this is. Well, because I think your average person, and I'll include myself, when you go to a movie set, especially when you're, if you're younger, you think that if you're going to see a movie like 48 hours, you're going to see... <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're going to see Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy in a car firing guns, <laughs> yeah. smashing through things and saying funny things. No, you're not going to see that at all. You're going to see someone opening a door. With, okay, let's try it again. <laughs> Different angle. Nope. Fix that light. Yeah. That's what you're going to see. Can someone oil the hinge? <laughs> Why did we go with brass hinges? You know, let's 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 take twenty and, and change the hinges out. Yeah. Let's throw those hinges out, <laughs> guys. The what? new hinges, the new hinges are squeaking. We need to oil the new hinges. You really, <laughs> someone should do a a blooper reel where it's all that stuff. Well, you know what's a great, it's incredibly boring. Have you ever seen Living in Oblivion? No, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. no, I haven't. That's a great movie. Uh, uh, that it, and it's an older movie. It's in I think in the nineties. Uh, I mean not that older, but um, it's a great spoof of of making an indie movie. And uh, I highly recommend it. Who's in it? Um, it's... Um, well, Peter Dinklage is one of his first Peter films, Dink right? And Catherine Keener. Maybe I have saw really it a long good. time yeah. ago. I, a lot of the yeah. 90s for me is... What's a, clever is that, that they, um, when they're doing the... When they're... When it's all the behind the scenes, which is the chunk of the movie, it's black and white. Mm -hmm. But when they call action, they, they pop into the camera and now it's in color. Um, so you, it's kind of like a... a um, you know, it, backstage in front of the curtain kind of uh, thing. You know what I mean? Like right, uh, you're right. kind of getting both viewpoints. Right. So it's a lot of fun. And, 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 and it so accurately spoofs the struggle to try and, 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 and make an indie movie on a, on a, on a budget and on a schedule. Well, if that's a good person and I, I can't imagine what went into making it, uh, just like emotionally and also just the sheer hard work. It was really, it was really, I'm, I'm, but I'm really proud of it. And I, I hope people go check it out. Um, it's a struggle to get people to go to the theaters these days. So here's my, my blatant ask to go check it out in the theaters. Um, it's, it's, it's beautifully shot by an amazing cinematographer and, and, um, and, I, and I really do believe they both give pretty outstanding performances. Yeah, they do. You know that because you saw it. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I do know that. And, uh, and also, if it helps, I'm putting a brand new microwave oven uh, still in the box under one of the seats in one of the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this thing retails for like $160. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good microwave So when oven. you're in the theater, make sure to look under your seat. Yeah, uh, just briefly, but don't yeah, keep your eye on the screen. <laughs> Um, and how are you right now? Are you, now that this process is done, you're in a good place? I am in a good place. I'm, I'm, I have a lot of fun stuff, uh, happening. Um, I, I directed an episode of Bill's new show, Shrinking, which I'm, which I'm really proud of. I think it's a really good show. 
and uh, and releasing this movie, which is, has been my baby for so long. Uh, it was it was ready to be released uh, at the end of last year, but um, Florence had two other big movies come out, and so we decided to hold it for the spring. Right. right. Um, so you know, it's been, you, you, holding something you're proud of that you want to share with the world back for so long is now it's finally coming out. So it's it's really exciting. Yeah, that's the thing that I say. I can't. You know, I'm in the. We think of it, it's gone. But what about The yeah. Simpsons? I mean, there's an exception. Oh, that was different. That I mean, was, you yeah. Had to really, you knew you had written a funny joke and you had to wait like how long to see yes, it? Yes, <laughs> I know, I know. That was a different experience, but that was so long ago. I mean, Simpsons fans will come up to me and talk to me as if I just finished working on the episode that I worked on that they liked. And I'll, I have to explain to them because they're so young mm. that I'm, uh, you know. I'm, they think you wrote it like recently. Or else they don't really, they just, they just think, oh, so, you know, they're quoting lines from things. And I'll think, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's like telling a, whatever, a Confederate soldier who's like 98. You remember that in that first battle? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't remember. It was so long ago. I should have said Union. I know. I was really confused about <laughs> your was, choice of a Confederate uh, soldier. You were going to remind can I, them of. Can I just yeah. say, I just like the cap they had. That, okay. that cap was a good cap. Yeah, the Union guys had those too. Yeah, I mean, no, they were blue. I like a gray okay, cap. Okay, a, gray, a blue cap is too strong. I just like the world where you're going and chatting up old Confederate soldiers. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> I want to see that They've podcast. Got stories to tell. Right, it sounds like a podcast to me. <laughs> yeah. What's doing? a much better yeah. guest than me. Yeah. I think uh, they'll, they'll, they'll talk to me about those things, but I do remember back then the time between thinking of the idea for an episode and seeing it could be a year it I could know. be more than a year because it was that's, animation yeah, that's and what's so, so crazy about animation and and it's it really is analogous here because i've had to wait so long we completed it and we had to wait so long to finally share it and it, it's it's made me think of you in animation like wow we're all so proud of that episode it's going to be a year for anyone to see it yeah. right right well it's uh there's so many people that never I and mean, i see them all the time because I mean, here we make our podcast in Larchmont and in LA, there are all these cafes and I'm always see is people working on their screenplay. Yeah, and, that's what people came out here to do is yeah. to write their screenplay. And I was sitting yesterday with uh, two of the guys I work with, uh, Mike and Matt, and they were just, I, th I think there were four people around me working on screenplays. And I think it's just, to, it's such a gift to get something made because yeah. so many things aren't made. Yeah, it's it's a, the most insane obstacle course to get anything made. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it, even with Morgan Freeman and Florence Pugh uh, starring, it's not like um, you know everyone's going to make it. I mean, you have to find the right person who wants to make. Yeah, you it. also want to make someone. You want to find someone who's going to honor the vision. They're going to let you make it how you want to make it, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and not say we have an idea. They're buddy cops. Well, yeah, that is <laughs> yeah. not what I wrote. Yeah, I wrote a story about loss and. You know, crossing generations and how people do. You know, nope. <laughs> yeah. There's another. There's another great uh, thing you'll love. I don't know if you ever watched. Uh, there was a spoof of the pilot making process called the TV set with David Duchovny. Did anybody oh, ever see I that? I think I did yeah. see that. I highly recommend that too. You'll love that. Um, but there's a funny moment in that where Duchovny plays the showrunner, and it's his idea, and they're 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 finally making this thing and uh, Sigourney Weaver plays the head of the studio and she she comes to him and she goes look we want to talk to you about the the suicide uh thing with your brother uh, in the story and he goes that that's that was the whole impetus for the, the script I mean the reason the reason I wrote the script was my brother's suicide and and, and uh, yeah. that that started the whole story and it's kind of the whole foundation on upon which this is built and there's a long pause and she goes but what if it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Zach Braff, uh, congratulations on uh, a good person you, and on a uh, an excellent career. Thank and, you, uh, and for... thank you for being so supportive of me. You've all, through all the years, you've you've always been a, a cheerleader of mine, and I really genuinely appreciate. Well, that. you're. I mean, since the first time I saw you, I thought this guy's really funny, and you have such a great energy and spirit. And thank so, you. and I'm glad. I'm proud of what you've. I'm proud. I always. It's so funny when I'm because I'm older than so many of the people that I interview. In, in you know, including Patrick Stewart. Um, <laughs> as they get younger, I get older. Uh, no, but um, I do. When young, when super young people come on my came on my late night show, and I liked them, and then they go on to challenge themselves and do cool things, I always take a little bit of like, oh, good for you, as if you were my son. Well, you, you can know? I, you can say that, and you can say proud because I you knew me right when I was yeah. wide eyed and beginning, and uh, and. Um, so. I'm your orthodox father. <laughs> this what? is the weirdest version of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way. This the way. <laughs> what a twist. You didn't see that coming. Luke, I'm your orthodox father. <laughs> I'm your orthodox father. We have to get a blowtorch in the kitchen. Someone make bacon. Uh, <laughs> someone write that up. Come on. Hey, Zach, thank you so much for thank doing you, this. Cody. Really thank cool. You. That was thank great. You. Thank you. So now, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it 
It's less filling, Miller Lite, or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, all right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. I heard some disturbing news today, and I'd like to investigate. <laughs> Let me explain. I'll do a little uh, background first. Uh, Mr. Gorley, Matt Gorley, as you may know him, or just Matt, obviously uh, he does a terrific job here at the show and constantly crafting the, the program and making it sound perfect. I think we've covered it. Yep, we're done. Enjoy oh, no, 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 there's, there's more to cover. Uh, Matt is also um, a bit of a slut when it comes to podcasts. That's true. That's <laughs> He's true. always out there. I mean, I would think being on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend would be enough. I mean, this is, no, uh, this is a big deal. But no, he is uh, always off uh, working on hundreds and hundreds of other podcasts. I'm the Wilt Chamberlain of podcasts. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Um, you cannot be sated. Uh, you you keep going and you're always there's you're always out to conquer another podcast that you meet in a club late at night and then bring back to your creepy 1970s um, house with extra high doorways. God. But anyway, uh, enough. I wish I could refute you on it. Yes, but um, recently uh, Matt was telling us all in the studio because we hang around sometimes. We're we're friends off mic and uh, just. Just pretend the advertisers like it. So <laughs> they do. Oh, yeah. They want friendship in order to. Advertise. They just like yeah. it. They want people to buy into this as a real family, like the royal family. But we all know deep down what's happening behind the scenes. Anyway, uh, so Matt was telling us he had a new idea for a podcast called Mall Walking, where he walks around uh, a mall and maybe he has a special guest with him and just walks around a mall and sees what happened. So I think, well, interesting idea. And again, confused that he needs, I mean, the man has a child and a wife uh, and he's working with Conan O'Brien. Why does he need this? But that's his choice, not mine. <laughs> and then yesterday I was working with Sona. You were helping me out with something. Yeah. And uh, we were working on a project together. And you just happened to mention that you were a guest on Mall Walking. Yeah, I was. With Matt Gorley. And that things went a little off the rails. Yeah. And now I turn it over to you two. Well, I mean, it was First wasn't... of all, I asked to be on Mall Walking. And after I was happy, about... happy to have you. We do this show with my friend Mark McConville, and we went to the mall, which is called The Shops at Santa Anita. Right. Mm -hmm. And we did what we always do. We walk in with three handheld mics, although we only had two wireless receivers, so I was tethered to Mark with a 20-foot cable. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> but not the whole time. No, because we had a malfunction. <laughs> so there was a malfunction. So Because I would think the whole idea of doing a podcast called Mall Walking is that you want to be not too obtrusive. Right. You, you want to sort of fly under the radar and yet you are lashed to your friend with a cable? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because of what, what was the malfunction? 
Uh, the wireless receiver on one of the mics wasn't working. Right, right. Okay. So yeah, and they had a... It could not have been a longer cable. <laughs> I just want to make sure it's... There's no way you can't notice this this extremely long cable. Right. And they're standing right next to each other, did so you, it's dragging on the wait, floor. Wait, you didn't coil it up? Why didn't you coil it up? Well, we did, but we got to, you know, we got to spread out at times where he's going to the lid store and I want to check out Hot Topic, you know? But sure, you can't. You can't have a long cord between the two of you in a busy mall. We did. Okay. We clotheslined some people. All right. So, so, so Sona... You're part of this. I and, am. And tell us what's happening. So we started off, I had clothes to return at Old Navy. <laughs> Which we did on mic. <laughs> we you went, return clothes on mic. <laughs> we returned I don't, clothes. How am I not listening to this podcast? <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> and we just walk the entire uh, second floor, store to store. We're talking about what we see. You know, mm-hmm. and then we're talking about the candy dispensers. I mean, it's really riveting stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then uh, and then we get to the end of the second floor and someone stopped us, the security guard. Yeah. And okay. We haven't been to the first floor yet. So we're yeah. halfway through. Yes. Right, so you're halfway through the, this this show. You've returned some clothes. Yes. And you've you've looked in lids and uh, <laughs> got a seized candy chocolate thing oh, that's right. right yeah okay. yeah, yeah. That's, that oh, i made math can't forget for. that <laughs> can't forget that well i expensed it to the mall walking yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> which is has an offshore account <laughs> in the Bahamas. I, I know that this is all ways for you to launder cash it is a front. so so uh you're doing all that and then um and then you get to the end of the second floor of the mall and you're approached by a security guard. And why don't you take it here, man? Well, he was the sweetest man. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he, he seemed also kind of reluctant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Sona kind of took over. In only, as, she, as she does. Yeah, and thank God, because she was brilliant and she was really kind, but also very matter of fact, basically said, what would your supervisor say to this? Let's speak to them. So out comes his boss, who then recognized Sona? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I he so he he's like you look familiar, and then you know I mean usually it's because they watch you. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I work for Conan O'Brien, and he goes, yeah, you know I'm I'm Team Coco for life, and so we were like, I love this guy. Yeah, but then we were like, so can we record? And he's like, no. Yeah. No. So absolutely not. Wow. So, yeah. Then, it, it, it so had, you know what I love? It didn't help he's us. Team Coco for life. I love Team Coco. I love Conan. Can you help us out a little bit? No, I cannot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which uh... then we asked to go above his head, and they walked us back to the management office. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. And by I... the way, your cable is still unspooling this <laughs> yes. whole time. Yes. Nine hundred feet of cable, and and by the way, old old women on walkers are tumbling left and right. <laughs> you just keep hearing in the background. Oh my lord! <laughs> Clunk, shatter. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we went to the office of the mall, which was pretty cool. Okay, yeah. so you went into the... Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, again, this is... If you're going to check out anything at the mall, I think the administrative office would be the place. This podcast opens doors. Yeah. So so you're in there, and are you still recording? Yes, and then technically they asked us to stop, but right. we kept recording. Well, the old yes. trick is to say we've, we've stopped, yeah. but not stop. Right, and yes. we did do that. And uh, we spoke to two very nice women, and they said... We can't let you record today, but here's our business card. You can email and get permission, okay. which I did. Mm-hmm. Never heard from him. Oh. Pinged him back. Heard from a new lady. She said, can you please describe the podcast? I did. Never heard from her again. Got yeah, ghosted. ghosted. So what we need you to do, mm-hmm. yes. and I'm glad you brought this up, yeah. Yeah. is 
call out shops at Santa Anita and say, let free Sona and Matt and Mark. You know? Yeah. Okay. You yeah. know what I'm going to do? I'm going to quote um, a really good guy. Um, <laughs> he's a uh, security guard at shops at Santa Anita and say, I can't help you out. <laughs> Come on. Come on. The can't. three of us want to go back I for love, part two. I'm, I'm channeling <laughs> the guy's Team Coco, and I got to go with uh, Team Coco. I can't help you out. Yeah. Um, Conan, imagine if you had The Godfather without The Godfather Part Two. We have not even been on the first floor of this mall. It's exactly the same. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, first exactly of all, Godfather alone, I think people would still regard as one of the greatest movies of all as time. As they would this episode of the podcast. <laughs> yes. But... <laughs> If you say without the Godfather Part Two, you don't have the Godfather. No, you still have the Godfather, and everyone's very happy. But what? so it, that analogy doesn't uh, hold. Well, they end each episode sitting on the massage chairs, and we didn't even get to do yeah. that. So I think that that alone—that's right—requires us to go back there. It's okay. a loose tooth. I really you know? need to check out the food court too. Yes. That's important. You okay. can't go to a mall without looking at the food court. Right. Okay. Um, I. You know, I love you guys. I work with you all the time. We're a team. So, yes, I will help you. Uh, this is Conan O'Brien, and uh, this message goes out to shops at Santa Anita. Thank you. Um, I'm asking you, please, to let uh, Matt Gorley and Sona Movsesian uh, come back. And Mark McConville. Yeah. And Mark who? Mark McConville. No, I'm not going to vouch for him. <laughs> I don't know him. I don't He's know good. He's better than me. I don't. No, I don't. I don't. He might be great. I just don't know the guy. I can't vouch for him. Okay. Um, you, you have to get him in on your own. <laughs> oh, so shops at Santa Anita. Um, I, uh, I, I, I want you to please, please allow uh, Matt Gorley, uh, Sonoma Session, Mark Mugubba, uh to, <laughs> to, um, to come and record an episode of Mall Walking. It's uh, Mall Walking. It, yeah. Mall walking. I'm sorry. The, you don't yeah. say the G at the end. Of it's course. It's got you, an apostrophe. Thank you, Sona. Okay, thank you, Sona. That's a wonderful part of my pitch. And uh, we'll make all the difference in this plea. And I just ask that you consider this. This is great promotion for shops at Santa Anita. At shops at Santa Anita. Um, and uh, third part of the Mark Magamazon. Um, they're going to do a great job with Magoma. Can I get you saying a few different other malls so we could just plug that in? And yes. Use that for... Okay, go ahead. South Coast Plaza. Hey, South Coast Plaza. Do me a favor. Uh, the sh- Americana at Brand. Hey, Americana at Brand. Conan O'Brien here, and I need your help. <laughs> Sherman Oaks Galleria. Hey, Sherman Oaks Galleria. <laughs> I know I was banned in 1988. <laughs> But please, hear me out and listen to this important message. And finally, the Citadel Outlet Mall. Oh. Hey, Citadel Outlet Mall. Conan O'Brien here. And uh, I've got a special request that may turn out nicely for all of us. Yeah. You know what I'll say? Huh. Uh, you should make it very clear to these people that this is advertising. That's You're what a- I'm I saying. Know. Yeah. The Did mall. you mention that? No, but I didn't. Uh, I if I if I had time to mentally prepare, I would have kicked in. But like, you know, who's going to the mall anymore? Right? We're doing them a favor. Well, okay. Well, first of all, don't say who's going to the mall anymore. That's not going to get you back into the shops at Santa Anita. I'm saying, dear Santa Anita, w- like people will listen to this podcast and flock to the mall. It's true. I wrote that in the email. Maybe that's why I haven't heard back because then they knew they couldn't take me seriously. But. <laughs> Well, listen, I do hope I do hope you get back in there. And um, do you really? 
I do. Do you Actually, care? Yeah. Okay, that's good. I don't care a lot. Okay. And mm. barely care. Oh. But I do care. <laughs> no, I'm thinking about it, and I'm registering. You know when the sun gets really low on the horizon at the end of the day, and there's still just a little bit of, like, a little bit of glow? Yeah. yeah. That's how much caring I have. That's a little mm. bit. That's fine. It's yeah. still there. I'll take it. It registers. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, we'll see. And if this doesn't work, maybe I got to show up. At the oh, mall. you know, and then you can't just say one thing. Bring a mop, because when people see Conan O'Brien in a mall, there's gonna be shit on the floor. Oh, yeah. That's you're proud of that. And oh. this is a selling point for yeah, Santa Anita. <laughs> you want them to shit all over the mall? I'm, I'm telling you what I want. I'm telling you what happens when I get recognized on the street. Oh, okay. I have been responsible for more public defecation than anybody in the history of the medium. Well, I went to a restaurant with you in Santa Anita Mm -hmm. and it's notorious for having a long wait and they saw you and still made us wait 45 minutes for a table. You know why? Why? They were busy shitting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good luck, you guys. Thank you, boss. Thank you. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Bettys.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. When you buy a new house, you might say, Shut the front door! Winning! No, seriously, shut the front door. We own this house now. But you actually need to say, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. The local State Farm agent is there to help you choose the coverage you need. Welcome to my crib. (laughs) No one says that anymore, but I don't care. So just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.